Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Man City and Liverpool share the spoils. Manchester United takes all three points. Villa beat Arsenal. Real Madrid get absolutely destroyed by Valencia thanks to a hat-trick of penalties. A lot of draws in Serie A. This and much, much more on our weekend recap. We got Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Stay right here. Another weekend of mayhem. We have my man, Heath Pierce, my brother, Jimmy Conrad. What's up, fellas? Jimmy, I'll start with you. How are you, man? I'm good. It's a bright, sunny day in my neighborhood. So, yeah, life is good. I saw some great games. Uh, absolutely devastated that uh, Alex Trebek passed away. Jeopardy was a big part of my life growing up, and it brought my family together, as I'm sure it did for a lot of other families. So, that was that was sad and, and disheartening, but uh, I think we could all see it coming. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why I just brought everything down, but I just want to give a shout out to Alex Trebek. No, uh, he deserves a shout out. Uh, absolutely, Alex Trebek didn't just educate and entertain us; he like just brought distinguished class. So, my deepest thought thoughts and condolences to to his family. Heath, I'm sure you share the same sentiments, brother. Yeah, same sentiments. Uh, my, it didn't bring my family closer together, though, because we just weren't smart enough for those types of shows. <laughs> but maybe it brought us closer to do other things, you know, ruled out one thing that would divide us and uh, brought us uh, closer in other ways. But yeah, uh, good weekend. Again, lots of great games. Um, yeah, excited to, to, to chat about it all with you guys and, and try to keep it under 90 minutes. No, so, no, wait, wait. He's a family feud family. There that's, we go. That's the vibe we, I'm getting. A little oh, family feud. Wait, hey, man, put your hands together, no? You Survey says. <laughs> what is a lot of matches? This one is dedicated to you, Alex Trebek. Moving on and starting on with the big one. Manchester City against Liverpool. Uh, they share the spoils as uh, Gabriel Jesus uh, equalizes against Mohamed Salah. And it ends 1-0. I think entertaining first half, maybe a little bit stale in the second, a little, you know, stutter step kind of thing. Jimmy, how did you see it? Uh, Definitely as well from a betting perspective, beginning with that and then analysis. Well, I'll go betting perspective. I nailed it. I I called the draw on this one. So I'm feeling pretty good you know that I got that I got this you saw two teams that were playing at a pretty high level I thought that was on display like you mentioned in the first half the second half I think tactically Liverpool made some very good adjustments I know this sounds boring but Kevin De Bruyne went from being the guy that was finding great pockets of space between the lines and obviously making a big impact in the first half even though he missed the penalty but still being very influential to not really doing much in the second half and that's a credit to some minor adjustments that Liverpool made to their team shape. And I love that stuff, even though it kind of killed the game off because we really want to see Kevin De Bruyne on the ball uh, doing his thing. But yeah, I thought I thought uh, 1-1 was the fair result. And sure, there's some talking points about penalties and whatnot. But, but uh, overall, I thought it was uh, two teams that uh, are at the top of their game. Jimmy, uh, not Jimmy, sorry, Heath, my brother. I thought uh, that uh, I agree. It was an entertaining game. Uh, I thought the second half was like, I felt like there was they were holding back. Does that sound weird? I, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel like the aggression was as much as in the first. 
Uh, a few things. One, uh, please don't call me Jimmy. Uh, two, <laughs> uh, two, uh, another injury. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. I'm I'm a bit worried about if you're if you're Jurgen Klopp. But this is this is what you go through the paces of being a manager, right? You can't have it all the time, and sometimes we give too much credit to these forty deep squads uh, on, on what they can do. But yeah, and and then the third thing, by the way, is uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Does Kevin De Bruyne have the best weighted? pass final pass of anybody ever when i watch that when i watch his weighted passes especially when he puts it behind the back line i've never seen anything like it at that level of consistency you know we, we've all struck a ball where you where it comes off your foot so clean that you go oh that felt good he does that almost every time but yeah i think the second half uh, again was uh left a little bit to be desired you know jota could have had a winner jesus could have had the winner um but again a high level game um one of one of many high level games this weekend that i was actually really excited about to see sort of that that elevation of quality uh and what's going to be a really condensed schedule from here on out okay so let's begin jimmy with with the penalty right mohammed salah uh you know uh, scores it uh sadio mané earns it uh how did you see it uh that penalty in particular was fantastic if only because Sadio Mane, who I thought was Liverpool's best player throughout the 90 minutes today, he, even though he didn't get on the score sheet, he created that penalty and, and some other opportunities. His turn there, his, his little like stop and wait for see where Kyle Walker is going to go and then turn into the space uh, was fantastic. I mean, he, he has these, these little moves and little dips of the shoulder that I think uh, maybe go underappreciated in some ways. And how he runs at defenses too is his second to none. So I'm a big Sadio Mane fan over here. And I thought that was a, that was a penalty. Kyle Walker, he should just be penalized for his bad positioning, ultimately. Like, that should just be a penalty for, like, what are you doing? You should know better than, than to get caught kind of cheating. He got caught cheating, leading the other way, and Sadio Mane uh, punished him for it. Yeah, absolutely, Heath. Uh, I, I think Sadio Mane is, especially Ruben Diaz, he's going to be happy that he doesn't have to face him for a while again. I just thought he was such a headache uh, throughout. Yeah, it's uh... – <clears throat> everything he does, he does at such high speeds, right? And as soon as, like Jimmy said, as soon as you, as soon as Kyle Walker leans, he's gone. But you also expect Kyle Walker being the player that he is to have the ability to just not lean in there. And yeah, the contact is a little bit soft and it's like the touch of the quad, but that's exactly what you're going for, right? We are in, we've, we discuss this every single week in the world of, of, of going in for penalties, but you denied an obvious goal scoring opportunity and uh, there was contact. So yeah, uh, well done. Like that's an example to me of, of a, a well-drawn penalty, because if not, he's getting his chance on goal and he's ha you have to make contact with him there. And um, you know, you then put it up into the hands of the referee. So Man City reacts. Uh, they start pushing a little bit higher tempo. Uh, you know, they're trying to be more aggressive with their creation uh, to your point. Heath, uh, Kevin, De Bruyne gets that ball. Beautiful uh, pass for Gabriel Jesus. And I don't know if you meant it fellas, but that first touch and the turn, uh, poof, that was uh, Van Persie-esque, Dennis Bergkamp-esque. It was just beautiful. And it's 1-0, Jimmy. Uh, and that's how it goes in the, in the first half. And then what, what did you see in the second as, as, as things started off? Well, I'll say, if, I don't know if we're going to talk about the Joe Gomez penalty. That's sure, still, of course. Yeah, but, but what I really liked about that goal in particular for Man City is the pocket of space that Kevin De Bruyne found uh, to get there. Kyle Walker obviously played it quick. De Bruyne takes a look around, and I can't uh, – I don't know, pass that on enough to coaches and players, just taking peeks over your shoulder to see where everybody is and where you are in, in relation to, to the play. And he takes a good touch forward. You're going to give him that much time on the ball, a player of his quality, as, as Heath mentioned, he's going to kill you. And I think with Gabriel Jesus, 
when I watch the replay, there are some replays where I'm like, he definitely meant to do it. He 100% meant to do it. Then I see another replay. I'm like, ah, I don't know. But his body language, his turn was so quick. I think he was trying to do something. I don't know if he thought it was going to get pulled off or not. But uh, it worked to great effect. He got to the ball first and, and fair play to him. He obviously is going to claim after the fact, as any true goal scorer, that he meant to do that. But uh, what I really appreciated, again, to get a little soccer nerd with you guys, I thought Jurgen Klopp's tactics of having four guys up in the front line, kind of managing how City play out of the back was really smart because instead of having their normal three of Salah, Mane, and Firmino, they added Jota to the mix. And, and the first 20 minutes was like City, like, we don't know where to pass the ball. It was like Diaz, back to Laporte, back to Ederson, to Laporte, to Diaz. And I was like, this is amazing because they don't know what to do. And this is the world's best players not knowing how to break down Liverpool and, and really being reluctant and taking a lot of pride and not just lumping it long, which is what I think they should do at times, just to turn Liverpool around and try to press from there. But that's a different conversation. Great goal by Jesus. Let's get back on topic. And uh, I thought 1-1 was, was the deserved scoreline at that point in the game. Yeah, that's right. And I'm sorry, I totally forgot. Of course, the 41st minute uh, after checking with VAR, the penalty is given, uh, points to the spot after, you know, uh, I don't know, another questionable <laughs> decision. It's just, uh, it's just tough. Heath, how did you see that pen? Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I feel like this, this show has turned into it has penalty reviews. The game is turning into penalty reviews, right? And we'll get to some of the other ones where, you know, there's a hat trick of penalty goals this weekend uh, because that's the world we're living in. Everything's happening. The game is faster than ever. And now refs are being even put in a tougher spot of not real time, but to actually look at video review and have to then objectively make decisions. And, and, and yeah, I, I mean, he missed it anyway. Well, he did. It was a, it was a, it was a bad miss. It was a, a unfamiliar one. I thought, I thought uh, he was a little too casual with it. But listen, like, uh, and just so we were updated, by the way, like UEFA has uh, requested, uh, you know, the board, the you know, uh, the the officiating board, the regulation board that makes the the rules for this game to revisit the way that a handball is. And, and so we'll see what happens there, but we're not here to really talk. We, everybody, know, like you said, everybody knows how we feel about it. Regardless, Kevin De Bruyne misses the penalty, stays one all, and then the second half begins. So let's just get some ending conclusions with the game uh, overall, uh, Jimmy. As uh, Would you say it was a fair result? I mean, I know that you said it was one all fair yeah. result, but I think that Man City, it was classic Man City-Liverpool, actually, right? It was very possession-based with City, but the bigger, like, dangerous moments came from Liverpool. Yeah, that sounds about right, where Liverpool, well, more often than not, take their chances and try to hit you hard, hit you fast, as, as we were kind of talking about Sadio Mane, as Heath was saying, just he turns and goes at speed, and he's always there's always a lot of purpose and intent when they play. There's just, like, keep it to keep it, whereas I feel like with Man City – they're more like poking and prodding and looking for that opportunity and are okay to be patient. Whereas Liverpool a little bit more smash them up and go right after you. So I like the contrast in styles. I thought one, one was the fair result. I will say though, there was a big conversation. I think Pep mentioned it in his post game press conference, but Jurgen Klopp definitely did just the congestion of games. I'm looking at Liverpool's schedule right now after the last international break, they played on the 17th of October, 21st, 24th, 27th, 31st, 3rd, and now the 8th. And then you wonder why Trent Alexander-Arnold's going down with a cap injury. It's just too much of these guys. And he's just hoping that – and he wasn't even asking for an extra day. He's just like a later start time. You know, these little things that will help players to kind of stay on a regular schedule. Something I think that needs to be addressed. And I know, obviously, in this post-COVID world, they're trying to condense the schedule. And I, 
three straight weeks of Champions League, just it's going to take its toll as they're flying all over the place and playing high caliber games and obviously so much at stake. So, yeah, there's a lot to kind of talk about with this game in general. And then obviously the examples within this game that speak to a bigger thing that's going on, whether it's with VAR and penalties and handballs or whether the congestion of the schedule. Yeah. Heath. Oh yeah. I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy was spot on there. Um, I think, I think it was a fair result. I think, you know, Liverpool attacked with, with a lot more, you know, and, and I don't want to just repeat everything that, that, that he's already said. No, so, please do. I like uh, when you I, do that. I, I, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would agree with that though. I think, um, and, and look, I think city city are so reliant on De Bruyne doing things right now. Um, and they don't seem as dynamic before. And when you have, uh, you know, you require, it's just going to require them to have a lot more players to pull their weight. Gabriel Jesus being one of them uh, moving forward because De Bruyne can't do it every single week uh, where he, he sets up the goal. I mean, okay. It's a little bit jaded this week because he misses a penalty, but uh, it's becoming more and more apparent every single week that the spotlight starts and ends with him. And I was never thinking about Man City in that way. He was always a player that was a quality. They always won a lot more games when he's on the field, but I didn't see him in, in that polarizing of a way where you you start to realize now that it's sort of like him or bust yeah i tell you one thing two things that we probably haven't mentioned which we did talk about last time this game was a a needed victory more for city than liverpool we we thought and i think even though it was a draw i think liverpool might be okay satisfied with it but i think man city really are going to think this is the kind of example that happens when we don't take our chances when we miss the penalty and it could eventually essentially little by little cost us the title and the second point that you guys brought up about the reliance on kevin de bruyne it's another example of why sometimes we just miss david silva you know it's just another player that was you know whenever de bruyne was not feeling it you know his head dropped a little bit his confidence dropped and you have somebody like david silva can pull the strings uh, uh, and that might be food for thought for pep guardiola are you, are you david silva with hair or without hair you gotta just tell me which oh, one you are i'm david silva without hair okay just because okay. i don't have hair. Okay, that's fair <laughs> hey you, you everyone's gonna have their own reasons that's a perfectly valid one but I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's say in the Premier League, Manchester United. Manchester United beat Everton 3-1. Edinson Cavani gets uh, his goal. Uh, Bruno Fernandes was everywhere in this game. Got a brace uh, and an assist. Uh, Jimmy, uh, we begin with you. How did you end up here? Uh, I believe you called this one a draw, but it didn't happen, correct? I did call it a draw. And when Bernard scored early for Everton, I was like, all right, I think this is going to hold up. I think it's going to be a 1-1, maybe a 2-2. And then Bruno Fernandes is like, I don't care about your bet. I'm going to step up and be counted and take responsibility, put my team on my back. And he was fantastic. Uh, What I really liked about him was how he found the pockets of space. Marcus Rashford, I thought, did a very good job of holding the ball up. And when that happens consistently for Manchester United, when they can play that little bit of in back and through, when it goes into the middle, comes back to Fernandez, he sprays it out wide and they can kind of attack with purpose. Everton just didn't have any answers for that. And I thought Bruno Fernandez did an excellent job of timing his runs from midfield, which was evident on the first goal at the header. Um, but yeah, just the combination. He's such a good player. I love, I love watching him play. And, and I thought it was a good performance from, from Manchester United, all things considered especially because of the week that they had a, a nice response there. I mean, actually Bruno Fernandez is probably saving Ole Gunnar's Solskjaer's job at this moment. So we'll see how long he can keep that up. Yeah. Which is kind of what he did when he first arrived, right? When it was already very true. Last full. So Heath, uh, thoughts on this game. Yeah. I found myself during this game thinking about Bruno Fernandez and that more often than not on anything that's a decent sized transfer fee, it's almost impossible to live up to the expectation. And he's one that, again, 
just made makes sense for me and he's performing right when you get it right and then they deliver it's just a really nice thing to watch and and quite frankly and i might just be losing my mind because of the world that we're living in right now or might be getting my mind back but uh this was one where it was the first time in a long time that it felt like and i i you guys can kill me for this but sir alec ferguson football that was played today they were uh, not today, but they were in control from start to finish. The game felt open, but the speed of the game was there. The comfort of the game was there from United. And it just looked like they were going to win. And even when they were against on the counter, if you remember back to those old, old days, they'd be on the counter quite often, but they just had a locked down defense that was comfortable. They put out fires and it just felt like it was end to end from start to finish for me. And that's what I liked about it. But the whole time it felt like a United match. And that was exciting for me to see as well. Even though I'm not a fan of United, I just have this nostalgia that I can't get out of my head. And when you, when you constantly put something up against that nostalgia of like the good times, it makes it quite unenjoyable to watch more often than not. And that this one was just enjoyable for me from start to finish. Yeah. The Cavani goal I thought was uh, quintessential. Is Cavani going to be a starter ever? Depends on his fitness, I guess. He's on a fat wage, you know? Like, how does that in this world get... I mean, all respect to Cavani. Love Cavani. But, like, you know, Fernandez or Cavani. This is Man United. No, listen. Do you think they think about uh, money and value Uh, and he should play this and that? They they might at some point, you know. No one's selling tickets right now. I don't know if you know that. We'll find out. Barcelona is going to have to sell their entire team, apparently, or go under. (laughs) So... I honestly, I, I'm waiting to see Cavani be the number nine. And then you have Rashford and Martial out on the wings, to be yeah. honest, and Fernandez underneath. Uh, we saw again today with Fred and McTominay kind of sitting in front of that back four. Ole Gunnar loves it. And more often than not, they've gotten a result with those two guys when that happens. But they really need their wing backs to show up and, and have a performance. I'm curious to see. I thought Shaw was pretty good today. But tell, tell us, I actually like a little bit better than Shaw. Though Shaw, I feel like due to finally some real competition, he's picked up his game a little bit, which is which is a good thing. Pogba coming off the bench too. That's another guy. I think Shaw got injured, right? As well. He He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So they got some, I mean, Telus can come in and and do the job for sure. I I liked him at Porto and I think he'll be fine when he did. He looked good. And he's obviously Portuguese. He's got that connection with both Fernandez. So that's a good thing. So I don't Jimmy's know. done with Pogba. That's good to hear. He's done. I'm not done. done with him. He's I was done. just going to say, like you were, I am like not you're, done with him. I, I just don't, I don't see where he goes into that lineup anymore. Then, you that's know, you've true. just no, pretty much I given agree. the 11. Why are you stirring? Heath? Why are you stirring? You stir- I'm not no, stirring. I just wanted to confirm that Jimmy's all, done with Pogba. All, I'm not, I didn't say I was done with Pogba. I'm saying Ole Gunnar likes Fred and McTominay better, but I will say that Pogba's on high wages too. So if you're going to make that same argument for Cavani, I still think you got to find a way to get Pogba on the, on the, on the field. But if he doesn't fit into how you're trying to move as a group, that makes it difficult. Yeah, I think that, listen, the, the issue with United 2 and Solskjaer is that, you know, uh, as optimistic as he is and as happy as he is, he's, he's actually super like constrained in his management a lot, especially when United play away from home. This was a good win for them, absolutely. And to your point, it was there were moments there where it showed you that classic resilient United. But it was, uh, it was just one game, and I'm still, not, I'm still not being sold on, like, who are you? Because I still don't know the identity of this club yet. Oh, I want to wait. Uh, I agree. A few more games. Yeah. But, it's not, the, 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 next week will be completely different. But I did see glimpses of something special, and that just felt good to watch—a controlling match from front to back, instead of two, three players constantly letting the team down at different sections of the field. 
Yep. Well done, United. You're 14th. Well done. Um, <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> we stay with the Premier League very quickly on a few more matches. Uh, Tottenham, they pull that out and they get that win thanks to Harry Kane uh, against West Brom, who's still looking for that win. Uh, Chelsea uh, do very well after going one nothing down first. And, and uh, Ziyech, I thought, was great in this one. Uh, 4-1. Palace uh, destroy Leeds and... You know, this is going to be the Leeds issue all season. You know, it's when, when it doesn't go your way, it's going to really not go your way. Southampton, my God, uh, early on Friday, 2-0. Uh, but really, the other story is Leicester City once again getting that victory. And, and uh, you know, as we speak, they're top of the table, Tottenham in second. And we finished the weekend, my friend Heath, with a great game, I thought. <laughs> I thought it was a really good one. Um <laughs> I don't know. It was there was something about it. It was just poetic <laughs> and beautiful. And Ollie Watkins, who comes from the championship, many people doubted because of his fee, scores this beautiful brace. Jack Grealish, right? Yeah, three nothing to the Villa. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, look at this. Look at this jersey. Okay, I want you. I just don't forget that Arteta was a player. Okay. Oh, I'm he's not trying this managerial thing. I've got it on the board behind me. Trying you know? the operative word, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, look. Uh, uh, this is on the game. Heath, let's begin with you, honestly. Okay, uh, let's 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 uh, let's talk about this. Uh, Ollie Watkins, amazing. Did you see his post game press conference, by the way, yeah. where he talked he's about how he's gonna, yeah. yeah, he was, he was gonna let his let his uh, grandparents down, uh, and then he was like, yeah, they're Arsenal fans, and he's like, well, I'm I, I'm also an Arsenal fan, and I thought that was like, you know, he's got no idea what he's doing because the first question was like. How are you enjoying the level versus in the championship? And and he's like, oh yeah, it's good. You know, he's got you know six goals and and uh, and seven, which is oh, it's seven goals, right? Yeah. Seven goals. Yeah, it's uh it, fantastic. But the difference is, is Arsenal again are in this crisis of young players try to figure it out. If you look at the, you looked at them in the Europa League. Granted, this is not Premier League competition in in the Europa League. But they were pro they were finding ways to solve problems, right? When the space was wide, they started taking that wide space, whipping the ball in, making center backs uncomfortable. And I really I really like that, right? Mings and Konza, like eventually, you have to make them uncomfortable. They didn't do that today. They did not make them uncomfortable. But the one thing I will give uh, Villa from start to finish that is so different than what's at Arsenal is when Arsenal is off, the energy goes completely flat. And Villa's energy was so high and so positive that everything they did, I, I, I go back to when we were talking about, um, what's his name at, at, at Liverpool just now? I'm blanking right Shoka? now. No, Mane, sorry. Yeah. Of just that energy, right? Everything is with intent. When they press, with intent. When they attack, with intent. Everything had that positive energy where just like, at a minimum, the least you can give is that effort. And when you look at those two teams together, right? You see very clearly from start to finish, Villa is saying, doesn't matter who we're playing against. At a minimum, we are going to outwork them. We're going to outpress them. We're going to out sort of, you know, tactic them. We are going to be organized. And the energy is just so high and positive. It's just like a breath of fresh air to see. And then for an Arsenal, you're like, okay, start to finish. You know, okay, Laka could have had a had a nice goal early on that he missed it, that he's, you know, he, it, don't get me uh, guys. I'm going to get really, really wound up and I'm not going to take six minutes of your time talking about this, but yeah, I, I really, I'm talking about Villa today. 
you can if you're gonna have tears. Like if you're gonna start crying, I think me and Luis are here for it. We'll go grab yeah. the popcorn. Step back. Yeah. No, you know? I'm listen. I'd rather compliment Villa than go down the Arsenal route with with some trauma. It, yeah. They just look. There's they have plenty of intelligence to it, it, to solve problems. It reminded me today of when like Mesudozil was on the field and things aren't going right. Where it just feels flat. There's no rhythm. There's no energy. You know, he doesn't press, so the next guy doesn't press, so the next guy doesn't press, and it just all goes flat. Whereas when they're playing younger players in the Europa League, they have a lot more to prove. And granted, they have, you know, some young guys on the field today. It, it just felt different, right? And it just felt like uninterested. And and that's not going to get you results against a, a, a Villa team that's very, very good right now. Right now. Well, I, I know you're going to be pro-Villa, Luis. So I'm just going to, I'm going to step in for you and kind of save you the bias Really been impressed with Aston Villa. I'll let you do that anyway at some point. But but really impressed with them against teams that are playing in Europe in the Premier League this season. They beat Liverpool 7-2. They beat Leicester 1-0 away from home. They just beat Arsenal 3-0 away from home. They got they gave up seven goals in the last two games before that. That's um, true. But it's because they're, they're playing to the level of their competition, Heath. They're clearly yeah, like... They're, they're raising their games when it, when it means. And I also want to give a shout out for them stealing Ross Barkley from Chelsea. I think he's been an excellent addition to the squad. I think he's been a nice... Uh, a nice piece to that whole puzzle that maybe takes some pressure off of Jack Grealish because now Bar Barkley can, as it, as we saw one of the goals where he slips somebody in. I mean, he has that ability as well. We used to talk about him as like the up and coming savior for England and how he was going to be the guy because he showed that type of talent. And now he's getting to show it again, maybe without the pressure of playing for such a big club, no, no disrespect to Villa, but like that comes with playing for Chelsea and all the money and expectations that come there. I, I, I can't say enough about them. It's nice to see them regain their team shape and they really frustrated Arsenal today. And I really think even though that goal was scored and got taken back a minute into the game, I love the intent that that sends. And Heath and I can speak to it. Anytime you give up an early goal and you can sense the other team's kind of hungry, you, you, you don't put your head down per se, but you know, you're going to be in for a long one. And you're hoping that the guys around you are up for solving those problems, but that Arsenal weren't there. And I actually looked at Thomas Partey on that particular goal that did get called back. He could have got there. He could have made the play and he didn't. And I'm not going to pile on that guy. I think he's a super talented player, but I just thought that was interesting because he's the guy that actually needs to step up and make that play. That's, that's where the belief comes in. That's where the leadership comes in, especially from players in the spine of your team. And I'll leave it at that. But Villa was fantastic today and deserve all the credit, as he said. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to add on anything because uh, I think you guys both uh, said it well. And to be honest with you, the, the focus to me is more on Arsenal because uh, I think this was a good wake up call for Thomas Partey in the Premier League, he's just once he's, you know, this is, I'm not, I'm not saying this is not, you know, you know, uh, this is better than La Liga or whatever. I'm just saying that I think that it's, it's a good wake up call against a team that's hungry and it's looking for something other than just a draw, etc. And by the way, um, you know, we've talked about all these players, but it's, it's really great to see Emiliano Martinez, who was with Arsenal for 10 years, 10 years, just patience, you know, in comes keeper after keeper to take the number one spot. He took his chances last year in order to just really create a highlight reel for himself. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be heading off with Argentina, you know, hoping to get that number one spot once again. But for him to get another clean sheet, which is the fourth clean sheet, and that's Aston Villa's biggest success, I think. Goals aside, wins aside, the fact that they defensively can, can, can at least, you know, yes, you mentioned Leeds and, of course, uh, Southampton. But, you know, the fact that they also have four clean sheets is a good thing. Keith, did you want to say something? Because I thought you were about to interrupt me. 
No, no, I just, was, that was at the very beginning when you wanted to make it about Arsenal where he's just, let's not make it about Arsenal, you know? <laughs> I, 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 did, oh, I did have one question for you. Do you think that Mings and Konza could be the future of the England national team? I think Konza deserves to be in the England squad right now. Right now, I'm sorry. But if you think but... about them as a pairing, Oh, right? absolutely. Like, like there's, I, I can't remember when it, it may have been Cahill and and um, and what's his name on your staff, uh, you know that were center back pairings for England together within the same club. John Terry. Um, John Terry. Yeah. Gosh, dude, I'm blanking on names today, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, you know that might have been the last time where they're they're in the same club and 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 playing matches together yeah. in the national team. But like you know, th there's a huge advantage to that. But they both seem England quality. Uh, but then Tyra again, Mings, absolutely. You know, I think Ollie Konza, Watkins is England quality. Absolutely. But, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't make much more value when it's like Villa fans saying, I, I'm just, I've been watching Konza since he came and his development has just risen. And when I look at the England squad and I see the, the names, I'm like, there is no way in the world that Konza is not better than any of them. Like, I just think, I just think he, he just definitely deserves a shot. But once again, just be, just, just as the Jack Willie situation, it's up to Gareth Southgate and what he. Are you saying that Harry Maguire isn't good enough? <laughs> <laughs> I Where would that come from? Hey, it was good I mean, this week. He played this week. Well, he yeah. played well. Give week. him the call up. Yeah, give him the call. It was good this week. <laughs> he was good this week. <laughs> he was good. Harry, we love you guys. We will be back right after this. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG. Welcome back, everybody. Plenty of action and leaving the Premier League and going to the Bundesliga. Der Klassiker. What a match. What a game. Uh, always good to see this game uh, as a neutral. It's just fun, fun, fun. And Bayern Munich beat Borussia Dortmund 3-2. Plenty of talking points here. A lot, a lot, a lot. Marco Royce opens the scoring after Lewandowski disallowed goal. Then David Alaba makes it 1-0. And then after that, Robert Lewandowski scores 2-1 in the second half with Haaland getting, no, I'm sorry, with Leroy Sané making it 3-1. Haaland with a late one. Ends 3-2. Fantastic action. Jimmy, we begin with you. Listen, I said this was going to be a draw, and it should have ended in a draw. I'm so yeah, bitter about true. this result. Dortmund had so many chances, especially that one right at the end. Marco Royce just hits, needs to hit the frame. It would have gone in. It would if even if it hit Neuer, probably would have deflected in. I mean, he had Lewandowski so had one called back at the end too, though. That's true. That's fair. But it's just like, oh my god! I just feel like a draw would have been. I would have made me happy. But <laughs> it was a fantastic game. I thought it was a good advertisement for what makes the Bundesliga special. That even though Bayern Munich will probably end up running away with it, there are still games where they have to fight and have to earn the points. I thought the Borussia Dortmund in many stretches of this game outplayed them. Uh, I just think some lapses in concentration for Dortmund are going to be what they kick themselves the most about when they watch this game back. The, the, the first goal, giving up a goal, a free kick right before halftime, 
okay, the free kick, the wall maybe needs to be a little bit better. Munir maybe doesn't need to turn because it deflects off of him and goes in. I actually have more of an issue with the, with the giving up the free kick in the, in the first place. The, the players should know better than that to, to get caught in those situations, especially with no time. You want to get into halftime with that lead that you established. I think that would have changed a lot. Uh, not to say that Byron wouldn't have scored, but it just would have changed some things. And then when Lewandowski comes in and scores right after halftime, how do you not mark that guy in the box? Dude, it's like your one job as a defender. I just don't understand. So, yeah, lots of talking points in this one. And I think the Lewandowski goal that got called off where he was like an inch off sides uh, is something that needs to be addressed. It's crazy, dude. How it's the end of soccer. Yeah, it's just becoming Sorry, really I mechanical. Just... I don't know, man. It's I saw another one with, with Bamford in the Leeds game where he just he put up his oh, hand just to, just to say he was open. And that's what they ruled them off. So I'm like, what is happening here? So anyway, I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole because that seems where we go all the time. But but this was a fantastic advertisement for the Bundesliga. And, and if you guys haven't seen it, you should actually go back and watch. I, even though it's not live, I think you'd still really appreciate the, the intensity of it. Yeah, I completely agree. Heath, uh, a fantastic match. I'm sure you got some talking points here. I mean, listen, like when you look at the statistics, by the way, it's very even. And as always in their classica, it's just, and actually we said this, it's about taking your chances because the shots from both teams were almost identical. The shots on target were almost identical. The possession was almost identical. The amount of passes between each team was almost identical. So it was just about taking your chances. Uh, How'd you see it, Heath? Yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised that Dortmund sat back as much as they did to start. You know, they did have a decent press in some in some moments, but like what makes them youthful and good is their ability to be able to transition like that. And I thought they gave uh, Bayern a, a little bit too much respect off the top. It's a long, uh, I'll, 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 I'll put the footnote in this, that my first Bundesliga game was away to Bayern Munich and we sat back and you know what happened? We got absolutely battered. We were not... <laughs> Dortmund though. Uh, however, uh, was I was not, I was not Matt's Hummels. Uh, we lost three nil actually two goalkeeper errors. So we'll blame the goalie on two of those. Right. We, we lost one nil basically. Um, <laughs> but it was my first ever game. Uh, kicker kicker uh, magazine gave me actually decent ratings for going up uh, against that was That's the year nice. where they brought in Luca Tony and Ribery yeah. and you know, all that. You so, got that framed. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Cause the rest of the ratings for the rest of my time in Germany were terrible. So um no, but look, I, I thought that was surprising, but um, they held their own. And, and you could legitimately see, especially on the attack with, with Reyna and Holland, that they are a legitimate threat. I'm willing to go out and say that Holland is going to be better than Lewandowski, and Lewandowski is the best striker in the world right now. Wow, That's what a, qualities what a that, that if you watch everything he does – he is light years ahead of where Lewandowski was at this age. His power, his speed, his finishing, his his just understanding of where to be on the pitch, the runs that he makes. I you know, and and I'm actually quite interested to see how Reyna would have done within the club if he didn't have a player that's literally one of the best players in the world right now um, coming on to to be able to feed and know that there's a good chance he's going to finish finish those types of things. But look, I I think it was a really really good game from start to finish. I I. I personally thought that, you know, I know Jimmy, Jimmy uh, wishes that, that Dortmund would have had one at the end there, but I thought, uh, you know, Bayern are just good. And it's just the depth, man. The yeah. depth. When you have Leroy Sané coming on and, you know, the availability of having Javi Martinez as well, Tolisso coming on. Oh, Gio Reyna could have scored in this one, man. He had it. He had it. That ball in the box. Oh, yeah, it was rounded. Listen, I don't root for a young kid as much as this one. I'm telling you, like, he had it. I think your point about Erlen Haaland, by the way, um, is uh, he's incredible. Okay, It's hot takey now, for sure. I get it. 
he he's an incredible per- like I, I actually think that this game was a really good example of seeing of where he is right now um you saw the genius of it like his goal his touch taking it around the keeper amazing but there were a few chances where i thought he was a little too quick with his fire i think like mm-hmm. he, he was a little bit too um because uh, he's such a physical force I feel like sometimes that equates mentally for him as well. He just he just wants to get you. He doesn't care how. And I feel like sometimes his uh, mind it doesn't react as fast as it, as what he's actually doing on the pitch. And, and one of the two chances there, I thought he was a little too quick. If he, he had just waited like half a second, I feel like it would have happened. But I'm not taking anything away from him. I agree. He's just a, a, a tremendous star. Uh, but it was a really, really good game. Uh, Jimmy, any any lasting thoughts on this? Yeah, one? there's two things. One, Erling Holland's timing of his runs off the back shoulder of a center back are unbelievable. And I would say comparable to Robert Lewandowski right now. But to your point, Luis, sometimes he does get a little too quick to be there. Or I think the one play you were talking about where he could have slid it across and he hit like a really bad cross and all he had nobody on him, but he thought he had a defender behind him. I think that'll, he'll, he'll come into that. And I think that will lend itself to what Heath was saying is that he'll end up being uh, one of the best number nines in the world. He's almost already there. So I think that uh, isn't that much of a hot take, Heath. I agree with you on that. The second thing that I worry about with Bayern now is that Joshua Kimmich is going to be out for three months with a torn meniscus. Now they do have the benefit of a winter break in January. So I think that's going to help maybe ease that pain of missing him for a little bit, but it'll be interesting. You know, as you said, Taliso came in, but now what they got rid of Tiago, they have not got a Tiago and now Kimmich is out. It just, it leaves them with some decisions to make. Now, obviously I don't think anybody's crying for them because they have, you know, infinitely more depth than any other club, at least in Germany. So uh, it'll be a challenge, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. And just like the Man City Liverpool game, Dortmund really needed to win this. I think um, 100%. at least a draw, but uh, I, I think a loss is going to be pretty detrimental for their title run. Heath. Yeah, the, the upside is that the you know looking at the table now, it's it's eighteen, sixteen, and fifteen points. Bayern and RB Leipzig and, and Dortmund. So I I think I think they're you know very much in it. But to be competitive, these are the ones that you're going to have to take those six point swings uh, against them because. Bayern are going to find a way now and they're just kind of unstoppable. They're not kind of unstoppable. They're unstoppable. They are going to get results and you just have to hope that they sort of hit that wall and that burnout because they've been going now, you know, whatever it is, 18 months straight. Uh, and, and that, that winter break doesn't play too much into their favor, but yeah, you're definitely right that, you know, these are the kinds of games that they have to at least come out of points with because they were competitive, right? They, they did have the opportunities and they did show that they can compete with the Bayern Munich. And it wasn't just this, you know, Bayern versus the world type thing. Yeah, absolutely. But as Jimmy said, uh, if you can, please watch it again. It's just a, a great, great game. An example of what uh, football soccer is, is all about. We will be back uh, after this where we'll do a, another roundup of, of the rest of Europe. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, listen, I'm really sorry. Heath just reminded me of something uh, before we move on. Uh, there was a ridiculous goal this weekend. Uh, Heath, why don't you set it up? Yeah, Valentino Lazaro uh, in the 94th minute, I believe, scorpion kick. This is my goal of the year. Gladbach obviously end up losing this game to Leverkusen, um, but it was an incredible game. I Four, three, seven goals in, in this game. Gladbach obviously sitting top of the table in, in Champions League above Inter Milan and, and Real Madrid right now, so a huge blow for them. But this goal, you can't, like, you know... I'll, I'll, Jimmy, I'll let you get add context to this as well. But like, you know, 
unbelievable strike and 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 quality and power coming off of his foot on a very awkward kind of scorpion kick. But yeah, you you, you got to go see it. Yeah, definitely type in uh, Valentino Lazaro and Borussia Mönchengladbach if you guys can spell that. Hatch it to you if you can. But uh, <laughs> it, it was very similar to Olivier Giroud's scorpion kick, maybe even better, we could say, in, in different ways. We've seen Zlatan attempt these or even do better in certain situations, uh, you know, because that's what Zlatan does. But, but uh, yeah, the ball is out wide. They're chasing the game. Borussia Mönchengladbach's down. They're whipping balls into the box. And and just the, the reaction and the creativity and the thought about um, – about making this happen and scoring it was was next level so yeah fantastic goal and, and to Heath's point I don't know if we're going to see a better one uh the rest of the year yeah maybe not maybe not because scorpion kicks are not only just hard to watch but they're just beautiful to see and when it happens it's just a joy to behold let's now move to Serie A and Jimmy if you were talking draws man this was the league to talk about draws six draws this weekend uh let's talk about the most uh you know, uh, with all due respect, uh, the ones that we care about. Lazio, Juventus uh, tied 1-0. Atalanta, Inter Milan tied 1-0. Milan, Verona uh, tied 2-0. And, you know, Parma Fiorentina tied 0-0 as well yesterday, uh, as we're speaking right now on Saturday. Uh, any talking points from those? Obviously, Atalanta, Inter was an intriguing one, and so was Milan because Milan was down. Uh, they were down 2-0, you know, yes. So um, go ahead, I'll, Jimmy. Start I'll, it probably, up. I'll probably go with with Milan just because this this former MLS player that people know about Zlatan Ibrahimovic stepped up and, and did what he does. Uh, but I think the big winner of the weekend, and I'm going to get into Zlatan in a second. But the big winner was was Roma and Napoli. They both won, while everybody else in the top. I'm looking at it right now. Everybody else in the top ten either drew or lost. So now Napoli moves up to third. Roma moves up to fourth. Juve is now in fifth. Atalanta is sixth. Milan's on top, still undefeated. And Sassuolo, baby, they are in second. A hat tip to them for uh, getting the result. They also had a draw Sass on Friday. Sexy. Sass so sexy. sexy. They I are, love they so, are sexy so sexy to swallow. They're amazing. amazing. So if what you... I wanted to say, though, about Zlatan really quick. Sorry, Luis. No, 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 no. It's your time. Is uh, he ends up skying a penalty. He had a chance to tie it up 2-2. He did the Sergio Ramos and launched it into, like, Rosie, gave a souvenir mm -hmm. to him. Well, there's no fans, so no souvenirs for fans. Uh, he had a, a goal. They scored a goal, but it got disallowed because of a handball. And then he hit the word work, but then he ended up he ends up scoring the winner in the 93rd minute. And I just can't say enough about this guy's mental fortitude, the belief that he has in himself. He is a once in a generation type player with with what he brings to the table and just his the his swagger. I don't know what the word is there, but but I mean, Canton I always felt like is comparable in some ways. Just that's this incredible amount of belief in themselves that that. I don't see too many. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, has it, and Messi just quietly does does what he does. But there's just something about Zlatan that not only raises the game of himself, but everybody around him, and and that's a big reason why Milan's been undefeated and been playing so well for for since he's joined the team. Yeah, huevos de hierro. That's what we're talking about. I'm telling you, he's got <laughs> cojones to the day. He just doesn't stop, man. He doesn't stop. Um, Heath, any any points from Serie? I mean, uh, as Jimmy said, this is a good advantage for Napoli now in third place, and and Juve still in fifth, uh, but thanks to Slatan, at least they get that point and stay top with 17 points. Yeah, not really. I think, I think, you know, it, 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 for this league, it's well covered. Uh, that many draws is, you know, I, you know, that's Syria. That's the style of play. <laughs> and we got away from it for a long time, you know, cause we, we, we started to get spoiled in, in other ways, but yeah, one of those weekends where there wasn't a lot to, to, to report or a lot of changes, but yeah, Juve in fifth, um, 
but again, still early in the season, seven matches or seven match days. Um, and still enough time to come back and, and Milan continue their undefeated streak in the league. I will say this before we move to La Liga. It's a weird year, isn't it? Like, obviously, uh, from what everything's going on, I'm talking from a football perspective, just, just the, the results that have been going on from Spain to England to Italy to France even. And I'm wondering if, and we've talked about this before, if it's because just, you know, the very unprecedented circumstances that players have to go through both from a training. I mean, uh, for example, uh, Real Sociedad stayed top of the table, um, you know, by beating Granada, but it basically happened because Granada had only seven senior players and, and COVID affected them big time. Like it's Is not true. Just COVID. I, didn't know, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's not just COVID. There's a lot going on, but COVID obviously is the main uh, protagonist here. But it, it's a weird, uh, like all these results, everybody can beat everybody, I think, I, I, unless you're Bayern Munich. <laughs> That's really the only team in the entire European uh, football environment that I think is, uh, you know, no, you can't touch them. What do you guys think, Keith? Yeah, I think there is, there's, there's a lot, right? I think there's a lot of stress that goes on into these players. I think the breaks were all condensed. I think form is an issue. I think the idea that nothing is really certain right now before you travel or don't travel to games on what team you're going to prep or play or not play. I think, you know, it is one of those years where uh, things are different. And I think if you're one of the big clubs, that's a great situation for you to be in. Cause you're like, oh, well, we're kind of in a tough form, but you know, if you're a city, you're like, well, no one's really ran away with it yet. So, you know, uh, we can, we, we are certainly capable of winning nine straight and, and being in the thick of things. So uh, I think this plays well into the, into the super clubs because, you know, it's one of those years where you don't have a Leicester city running away with a title or, or way out in front or, or any of those types of things. So, uh, but it is, it is a bizarre uh, type of thing. And, and again, it's only going to get even more bizarre as Jimmy mentioned earlier of that condensed schedule is going to shift all kinds of things. You know, we could see some of these big clubs actually end up outside of European positions with everything going on and the tightness of the schedule where it's going to be Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, uh, f f you know, f until the end of eternity. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, did you want to add anything, Jimmy? Cause I was about to go to La Liga unless you wanted Let's to go, add no, go La Liga. Heath, Heath was spot on. I love it. Well, let's begin with you, Jimmy, in La Liga. Uh, Atleti, well done, Atleti, for nothing. Well done, Joao Felix. The rise keeps happening of Joao Felix. A brace, Llorente scores one. Lucho Suarez scores one for nothing. Very nice. Barcelona uh, win, uh, you know, com convincingly with Lionel Messi starting on the bench, but he comes on, he does his thing. Antoine Griezmann misses a penalty, but he gets one. So it's, you know, but two wins. But Real Madrid, my God. 4-1 to Valencia. I know that Heath wants to get into this one, but let's begin with Atleti and Barca, Jimmy, from your end. Yeah, for me, Atletico was good against Cadiz. Obviously, Cadiz got a really memorable result against Real Madrid a little bit earlier in the season. What I really liked about Atleti, and maybe this is Diego Simeone finally evolving in some capacity. He shifted his team into a bit of a 3-4-2-1. Now, I know Trippier was still kind of one of those wingbacks, so he could shuffle back in. They've only given up two goals all season, so I guess Diego Simeone's never going to not Diego Simeone with regard to it. But I love that he had Luis Suarez up top, and then he had Joao Felix and Llorente playing underneath him a little bit, which I thought was interesting, and I thought that led to a lot of success. When those guys are closer to each other, it, it, it 
they just more magic happens. What I always frustrated with me with the Diego Simeone teams is that he put some of his best attacking players really out wide and then asked them to maybe play a little bit more defense than I felt like they needed to to do it, but he's so stringent when it comes to defending. So very excited about this. Obviously the continued development and emergence of, of Joao Felix is a real player. It's been nice to see. And uh, yeah, I'm liking Atleti right now. They're the team I support in La Liga. So let's go. Quick on Barca. Yeah, with regard to Barcelona, I mean, what can you say? This is a club that's been dealing with a lot of turmoil. And I, I made a joke. There was a post on Instagram. I was like, BR football or 433 or I don't know, one of those, those accounts. And they said, oh, your Messi comes on and scores two goals and has an assist after halftime. I was like, oh man, this, this Messi guy has a great future. They, they might want to start him next game. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's, it's, it must be nice when they can still out, go out there and do the business. And obviously having players healthy that are talented, Ushman Dembele, when he can, if he can stay healthy and stays healthy, he was great. In the game. So dynamic as a player. And then Griezmann stepped up, right. And finally took on some responsibility and, and, you know, I think he's thirsting for it, but still trying to find his place and his identity within the Barcelona team. I think that's the biggest thing with him is his identity. With France, he's got an identity. He, he knows which guy he is and what his role is for that team. For Atleti, Real Sociedad, prior to that, he knew his role and he was the guy in certain ways. He comes to Barcelona, he's like fifth on the list, you know? And so, and he's seeing his younger guys pass him by. So I think he's been a hard time for him to really latch on, but it was a good performance from him. Obviously, when you can bring a player like Messi off the bench and him, do what he does best. That's that's something special. So this Barcelona team for me still a little bit unknown, but I think they're going to quietly compete for the league, and and obviously deal with their turmoil with with Heath mentioned earlier the bankruptcy and will Messi leave at the end of the season and all the other drama going on. But they seem to be managing it okay on the field. Absolutely. And listen, like we have to mention, obviously, just very quickly, Real Sociedad, by the way, is top of the league and, and Villarreal is second. Uh, and now with Real Madrid, Heath losing 4-1 to Valencia, a Valencia side that's just been selling teams like they're in the London market and giving them for 50% off in Portobello Road on a Sunday. Like, it's just ridiculous. Uh, talk to us about this game because it was kind of crazy. Yeah, this is one where, you know, <clears throat> Sergio Ramos. Oh, it never begins well when you be makes <laughs> me so angry. One, as I mentioned before, because he wouldn't change shirts with me when we played. Two, because <laughs> he's right? so spoiled when I watch him. The way he he just expects everything to go his way. And I'm also jealous because I wish that I had sort of that that sort of missing link in my brain where that just was like between friends and enemies of just that thin line of I will like put my foot into the middle of your face and you know, whatever. And he's got no problem doing that, but it felt like the karma came back on this one on him all in one game where they got three, I think the four penalties uh, in this, in this game, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but a hat trick of penalties for Soler. And again, you never know. And also by the way, Benzema comes off injured with a little growing issue. Oh um, and so I don't know if, what that's going to be, but it smell it smells like trouble for me uh, within this squad. But again, we we just talked about just the world that we're in right now of just the polarization of a Real Madrid of just you don't know what you're going to get on any given day. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that our our uh, star in the making uh, Musa had his goal called back because he is our new Lord and Savior of the of the national team. If he does end up deciding to play for us, um, it's, and it's definitely going to help us win the 2010 World Cup, which has been our project all along from you know <laughs> years ago. Project 2010. We're going to go back and win it now that we have all these players. I see what you did there. That's yeah. Good. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was it was one of these 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 games where you just don't know. It actually wasn't even that bad from Real Madrid. It was just uh, penalty after penalty, Ramos uh, getting one of them. 
And I just felt like I would rather have the Ramos karma that he's been building up uh, for cheating all these years. I, I'm going to get hated, <laughs> hated for that one. But, you know, for, for, for competing the way that he does, it all ended up coming in one game. So, you know, being the star that he is, he could probably put that all behind him. But, yeah, a, a, a huge win for, for a Valencia side that, that obviously isn't in the form that we remember Valencia from, like, the 2000s. But, uh, yeah, big loss for, for Real Madrid, who I believe were, were sitting near top of the table um or would have been at near top of the table had they won that yeah it's a big loss for them in terms of their title race and uh, los murcielagos valencia uh record their first win actually in the last five matches and it's a it's a pretty good one and once again jimmy rafael verani gets an own goal thinks he's I'm, such listen, a, wait, wait, an amazing whole, player but i feel he's so unlucky the whole back line uh lucas a, vasquez had a penalty yeah. veron had an own goal sergio ramos Heath's best friend had a penalty marcelo had a penalty it that whole back line was a was a bit of a shambles today for whatever reason though madrid's going to find a way to be competitive it's what they do they still have a heart of a lion in some ways uh i thought uh casemiro not starting i don't know if he's got a little bit of an injury was a bit interesting maybe they're trying to manage his minutes we saw now with benzema coming COVID. out yeah or COVID. that's right so benzema comes out him and hazard yeah no, that's right. That's right. That's right. So missing those two guys obviously makes a difference, but it still doesn't answer for the fact that your back line was a bit of a shambles. Again, I, I agree with, with Heath on this one. You just don't know which version of them is going to show up. They seem to be playing to the level of their competition a lot this season, more, more often, or it seems like more than usual. I will say, though, I, I feel like every November, we're always talking about how Madrid is on the precipice of just being like, dog crap like they're just not going to be good enough everybody counts them out and then they go on and win the champions league or, or la liga i don't know it's it's really weird with these guys but they seem to start slow it always seemed like zidane had the answer for that but right now he seems to be suffering from the same type of thing they have every year maybe the international break is a welcome thing to many clubs uh gentlemen thank you so much thanks everybody listen Guys, stick around because we are not going anywhere. Even though it's the international break, we have a lot. We have a lot. We will be back with an MLS playoff preview. And I can confirm with you right now that Philadelphia Union secures the Supporters Shield. So we'll be talking about that as they look ahead to the playoffs. Uh, we'll also be back with the fellas to discuss the United States men's national team return. And they play Wales this week. So it'll be great to see all this talent that we've been talking about and much, much more. Guys, always a pleasure. Jimmy, Heath, let's begin with you, Heath. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. I, I, I like that you call us the fellas. That could be a thing. We could turn that into fellas? a thing. The fellas. fellas That's hey. something. That's something. Yeah. Hey, you, yeah. you, you're good. Yeah, you, hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> you have a gift. <laughs> Jimmy, thank no, you, brother. Thank you. I'm excited for all the MLS stuff. Obviously, this is the most exciting time of the year for the league and obviously the U.S. men's national team. I want to give a shout out to uh, Leon and uh, Liga MA Keese. They finished the season, the regular season before their playoffs start. 40 points in 17 games. Those guys are running Woo! it. And I just want to give them a shout out. Club Leon, well done. Thank you so much, fellas. I thought, I thought by the way, uh, and you can cut it if you have to, but I thought Jimmy was giving a shout out to Olympic Leon for a second there. And I, was like, <laughs> I can't Leon. say it right. Cool, is it Leon or Leon? It's Leon. like Leon. Leon. No. Well, okay. No. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, my, my, my inner gringo came out and became hey, my outer gringo. If, if, if you want something fun, go back and watch the old uh, uh, don't, Jimmy Kick TV pronunciation guides that they used to do, man. They are so funny. Oh, those are funny. That's those we are, are funny. By the way, we're keeping this. Oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> 
I want to thank my American sandwich, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. And like I mentioned, don't forget, we have so much more content coming this week during the international break. It may be international, but it is certainly not a break here at Kegolasso. Make sure that you follow us on Kegolasso on Twitter and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your pods. We will see you very soon and have a great, great day.